Escalating drug prices are an increasingly common topic of debate in the United States, and there have been calls for moving to a value-based pricing of new products. Organizations including leading medical professional societies have led this effort by creating drug assessment frameworks that take into account factors such as the quality of the data supporting a drug's use, the size of its treatment effects, and its costs. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Peter Newman, Director of the Center for the Evaluation of Value and Risk in Health at Tufts Medical Center. Dr. Newman has co-authored a perspective article about private sector initiatives to measure the value of prescription drugs. Dr. Newman, have value-based approaches to drug pricing been attempted in other countries? Are there any examples of successful use of these frameworks? Yes, uh, they have. Value-based frameworks have been used and experimented with in a number of countries. Perhaps most well-known is the UK's efforts in this area. They have an institute, the National Institute of Care Excellence, NICE, that has been assessing value for many years. Other countries also assess value. I'll do it in somewhat different ways. Many are using metrics like cost per qualities, quality-adjusted life years, as the benchmark of value, but all of them also look at other dimensions of value as well, magnitude of clinical benefits, side effects, for example, population health burden, and attributes like that. You write in your article that rising drug prices have led some observers to call for setting prices to reflect the drug's research, development, and production costs rather than focusing on those benefits. What are the arguments for and against that sort of approach? Companies have often argued that the high prices are needed to support large research and development costs. Sometimes you see this number, $2.6 billion, bandied about. That's the number some researchers have estimated is spent on research and development per successful drug that's launched. And the argument is that high prices are necessary to support that kind of research and development effort. And some policymakers have argued about that number, $2.6 billion, and also about whether this is an appropriate approach. Some have called for more transparency around actual research and development costs, which they say are actually not so high, and even have argued that some of the research and development costs that the drug companies sort of benefit from are actually costs that are incurred by researchers under NIH grant, National Institute of Health grants. Be that as it may, there's an interesting argument here that prices should reflect costs, whereas in most aspects of our lives, prices don't reflect production or manufacturing costs. They reflect the value that people take away from those products. As we say in this piece, when you go to buy an automobile, you don't ask the dealer about the car's manufacturing costs. Instead, purchase a particular car based on the features that matter to you, and then you look at the price. And the reason value-based pricing, in a way, for pharmaceuticals or anything is a good idea is it gives the companies incentives to develop products that have value to people, to consumers and to patients in the case of drugs. Now, to be sure, pharmaceutical markets are different than automobile markets, but the basic principle, I think you could argue, applies that we're all better off if prices reflect value. In that value-based system, there are challenges in determining what dimensions to consider when you're measuring value. Are the organizations that are putting together these frameworks trying to document the effectiveness of the elements of those frameworks? Are there plans then to refine them as we go forward? I think we should look at all of these frameworks, which, by the way, my colleague and I emphasize are welcome, we believe, for the marketplace and really reflect a positive step. 
But all of them, I think, can be seen as works in progress of sorts. For example, the American Society of Clinical Oncology has released its framework, which it says is a preliminary framework that will be revised over time. I think all of them are, in a way, exploring the best ways to measure value and will be refined with input from the public and from physicians. And also, I think, experimentation with methods and data. Measuring value is not an easy thing. Value, as we say in the piece, is an elusive target. There's no consensus about which dimensions, for example, should be taken into account or how to weight those dimensions. And each of these organizations that we highlight go about this in somewhat different ways, although all are trying to get at value. All of them look at safety and efficacy. Most of them are looking at things like evidence quality, but they differ in the extent to which they look at dimensions such as affordability and costs. Only one, as we point out in the piece, looks at or gives credit, potential credit, I guess I should say, for novelty, potential credit for rarity. And whether those are important dimensions of value, I think, subject to debate. In an accompanying perspective article, Young writes that the cost of cancer care in particular is growing very rapidly, and some of the new drugs for cancers don't improve overall survival. Do you think there are specific strategies for assessing value when it comes to cancer treatment? Cancer has traditionally been seen as a bit different from other diseases. People worry about it more, they dread it more, and policymakers, I think, have struggled with whether we want to disproportionately give cancer a different place in how we spend resources. I think, on the one hand, we might view cancer similar way to other diseases in that we would like treatments that are effective and safe and minimize side effects and bring good value. On the other hand, cancer has traditionally been seen as different. Perhaps we have somewhat different metrics, progression-free survival, for example, response rates, possibly toxicity, palliation. So those dimensions might be a bit different uh, for cancer, but because the drug's been priced so highly and because people care so enormously about cancer, we might put these in a somewhat different category. Young also notes that The goal of these new initiatives, these frameworks, is to bring consideration of costs into the conversation between patients and physicians. Do you think that those conversations are going to be enough to affect drug pricing on a national level, or will some larger intervention be needed? Well, I think this remains to be seen. All of the frameworks that we highlight in our piece are private initiatives from nonprofit organizations. As we say, they're best seen as offering information to the marketplace, but these are not organizations with any regulatory or reimbursement power. So I think these are helpful. We applaud them. I think they will have some impact by providing, in a sense, ammunition for those who are making decisions, and ammunition in a good way to help understand value. But I think they're only part of a larger picture of what's needed. And people have different views on this, but my view, what's needed is changes to payment and delivery systems, changes in the incentives facing patients, consumers, physicians. None of this will be easy. This is a very difficult area, but we need to keep at it and make progress. Finally, as we're doing that, how should individual physicians take value into account when they're making treatment decisions with patients? Should they be using these frameworks if they're available? Well, I think so. Now, some of these frameworks are directly targeting physicians and patients. Some of them are probably more suitable for payers making reimbursement decisions, but even those, I think, are important for physicians to understand and 
perhaps use. I think information on value can be helpful to physicians when talking to patients about treatment strategies. Increasingly, patients are being asked to fit a good portion of the bill through out-of-pocket costs and co-payments and co-insurance. So I think physicians can help have better discussions with patients about treatment strategies with these kinds of value frameworks in mind. Thank you, Dr. Newman.